Welcome to the Herald Podcast, New Generation, a podcast created for those who desire a new way of gaining information rather than reading a traditional newspaper. In our show, we will discuss everything from sports, pop culture, politics, and local news. To stay up to date on our latest episodes, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast service, such as Spotify, Anchor, or Apple Podcasts, and you can also check us out on our website. And don't worry, we keep it short most of the time. Are you looking to be more informed about what's going on in your community? The Herald has a special digital subscription offer for new generation podcast listeners. You could sign up for a one month trial for 99 cents, then only $18.99 a month after that. With a digital subscription, you get web exclusive content, including pictures and videos, obituaries, and a searchable archive going back to 2013. You can read the Herald on the web, your mobile phone, and on our Herald app so you can get all the Herald content and the print paper delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer. Again, that's just 99 cents for your first month. So you can go to www.sharonherald.com slash pod offer today for this special offer. Again, that's sharonherald.com slash pod offer. You're now listening to the New Generation Podcast. I'm your host, Janae Avery. And I am your other host, Tanner Mondock. And we are back with another episode. After talking over with Tanner, we've been doing some brainstorming ideas as far as guests and potential topics that we could talk about for the next few weeks. And with that being said, we came up to the conclusion that we wanted to talk about something that's a little bit more serious, an epidemic that's taken over the world since 1999, which has been the opioid epidemic. Mm -hmm. So for the next few weeks, we are going to have a few different guests on the episode on the podcast to talk about addiction um just an overview of just what's going on in mercer county and then resources for people who may be facing addiction and yeah and of course you know like right now we're in the midst of a global pandemic we have been since 2020 so and this has almost been kind of forgotten during that time but we're seeing now and now as more numbers start coming out that it's really starting to become worse than it's ever been so i know that you have some of those national numbers as to where we're at so if you want to Tell our listeners a little bit about that. Yeah, so according to the CDC website, an estimated over 100,000 drug overdoses have resulted in deaths in the United States during the 12-month period ending in April 2021. And that has increased over 28.5% from the same period the year before. Yeah, and that's the first time the drug-related deaths have reached six figures in any 12-month period. And that um, I also have here from the Washington Post saying that this new data is saying that there are now more overdose deaths from the illegal synthetic opioid fentanyl than there were overdose deaths from all drugs in 2016. So that's that's where we're at nationally, but uh, locally, from a story that we had in the Herald on November 22nd, so these numbers are as of November 22nd, drug overdose deaths in the county could top the record, which was in 2018 of 51. And in 2021, again, this is November 22nd when we put this out, we are at 39. So that's where we're at in Mercer County right now. But if you wanna hear a little bit more about what's going on in terms of Mercer County and all this, and just kind of an overview of the opioid epidemic, then right after we take a break here for our ads, we are having on uh, Mercer County Coroner John Libinati to just kind of talk about what's going on, you know, with this. You know, he deals with this a lot, of course, you know, being the coroner. So he's gonna come on here and we're gonna ask him some questions about the opioid epidemic, uh, mostly locally. I'm sure he'll touch on some national stuff too. Stay tuned. Coming up next, we have John Luminati. 
Ben Bizet, Chevrolet is Mercer County's truck headquarters. Quality new Chevrolets and outstanding pre-owned vehicles, plus an excellent service department to stand behind your vehicle purchase located on Route 19, just south of Mercer. Stop in or call Ben Bizet Chevrolet today at 724-662-5440. At Sharon Regional Medical Center, they believe in the power of people to create great care. Their dedicated employees work hard every day to make Sharon Regional Medical Center a place of healing, caring, and connection for patients and families in the community we call home. For more information, go to SharonRegionalMedical.org. First National Bank provides a full range of commercial banking, consumer banking, and wealth management services, plus industry-leading online and mobile banking solutions. Call your local FNB or go online at fnb-online.com. At Chenango Valley Meat and Poultry, you will find an excellent selection of steaks, burgers, chicken wings, and everything that goes along with it. Voted Best of the Best in 2021 by Harold Readers. Stop in at 1215 East State Street in Sharon or call 724-346-6328 today. Located in Mercer County, UPMC Horizon offers a range of services and medical specialties at two campuses in Farrell and Greenville. Together with UPMC Jamison in Lawrence County, UPMC Horizon provides a regionalized approach to healthcare. If you need care, go to UPMC Horizon or UPMC.com. All right, and just as we promised, we are now back and sitting to my right here is uh, Mercer County John Libinati. Janae is joining us over Zoom. And um, so, yeah, John, how are you doing? Okay. I, I appreciate the opportunity to be here to, to discuss uh, this very important issue. Right. Of course. And I mean, like we kind of touched on it a little bit in the intro, but, you know, ever since the COVID-19 pandemic started, people have kind of labeled this as the forgotten epidemic, almost like it just kind of almost got forgotten for a little bit because a lot of the main focus was on COVID. So, but really a lot of cases, you know, just like we talked about the numbers before we started talking to you, it's gotten probably worse than it's ever been. Well, statistically this year um, Mm -hmm. is going to be the worst year for drug overdose deaths that we've experienced in Mercer County. Mm -hmm. Um, 2018 was our worst year with 54 deaths, but we're already exceeded 47 this year. And we have 35 cases that are pending forensic testing results, which a third of those most likely be drug overdoses. So we're looking at possibly 60 in our county, which is a lot for a a smaller class five county. Right. So, yeah. And I saw that, yeah, we're on pace to potentially break the record here in Mercer County. That's correct. Um, We had a story on that, you know, back in November, how, um, what we're at 39, we were at 39 in November and the, and the record was around like 50. Is that correct? If I remember correctly? Yes. Yeah. So Kind of just tell us a little bit, like, where are we at in terms of in Mercer County, in terms of trying to, you know, like, fight this or handle this? Like, what's what's going on here? Okay, well, I, I think that most everybody in the county that pays attention understands that the way that I operate the coroner's office is a little bit unique, um, where I believe that coroners don't just have the responsibility to investigate death but I really believe that coroners should gather that information on every death that occurs. And we can look at that information that's vital to help preserve life from what we learn in death. So in every case of a drug overdose, suicide, even a natural death with cancer, I mean, we look at all of those um, to see you know, where the trends are, what are some efforts that we can do, and then who we can work with to design strategies for like in the drug case, prevention, 
and treatment. And we share that information with those entities. I think it's important to understand as we start discussing this is that we're talking about drug overdose deaths, right? Mm -hmm. Now that doesn't give us the true picture of how bad the addiction program is with chemical compounds and drugs and illicit type of chemical compounds. So um, we, we don't really know how many people are overdosing that are resuscitated. Now we can figure that out with EMS and with hospitals on, in, in clinical settings where they resuscitate individuals. There's a lot of people that have access to Narcan and they are, you know, obtaining it. They're keeping it at home. Family members are using that on other family members, um, individuals that are participating with drugs together. Somebody stays sober and they can use that Narcan to resuscitate anybody that overdoses. So we don't know how often that's occurring. Now, in the drug overdose deaths, we, we know that the majority of those individuals, um, a great majority of those individuals used alone and there was nobody there to access help or to assist them. So again, it just gives us a certain type of snapshot, but it doesn't give us the overall understanding of how bad the problem is. But I can tell you that with everything that I am and what I understand and, and what I do every single day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, 24 hours a day, we have a significant issue with drugs. Hmm. And in comparison to previous years, numbers are on the rise. And why do you think the number of drug overdoses is going up? If you could pinpoint one particular thing, or maybe it's just many problems that you're seeing. Well, um, early on, even even a few years ago, whenever we started looking at this, and and we look at you know, there's there's three key areas that cause grief to uh, death investigators. You know, one is um, anger, you know, and that increases, you know, violent crime that increases homicides, um, addiction, you know, uh, we, all people have addictive personalities, you know, some people bite their nails, some people eat chocolate, you know, um, but you know, it's, some people use alcohol, some people use, you know, drugs. Um, and then we have the depression issue where it leads to suicide and, and self-harm. But if you look at the common denominator of, the individuals that participate with those type of activities that they are all experiencing. And that's the feeling of loneliness, disconnection, a feeling of low worth and value susceptible to wanting to escape. You know, do I think that somebody can have a social drink? Absolutely. You know, do I think um, even on the subject of marijuana, you know, and, and that's a, um, you know, should it be legalized? Should it be not? Um, you know, I'm not the, for the legalization of any drug, obviously, that anybody could use to escape the challenges that they're experiencing, which is associated with that disconnect. You know, I'm not the, for the legalization of any drug, obviously, that anybody could use to escape the challenges that they're experiencing, which is associated with that disconnection. Um, because if you use those things as a crutch to escape instead of dealing with those issues in hand, um, what are you going to do whenever that doesn't help you escape anymore? You tend to further that and start going to other things. And that's what makes you more susceptible. And, and drugs are a terrible thing to turn to because we've all seen it with, I mean, we've all have experienced people that we know, even family members that have entered in that road for one reason or another, whether it was because physicians prescribed, whether it was because they, you know, used recreationally, but, you know, 
where does it end whenever you start participating with drug use? And I've never known it to end in a positive way. You know, it, it, it steals your family. It steals your job. It, it takes over and consumes you because, you know, if you think of that person that has that addiction, you know, and, and believe me, I wish that I could, I could change that in every individual that has it um, and knew a trick to do that. Because if everybody is important, everybody is meant to have a profound impact on this world. And whenever we see individuals and the devastation and, and I'm that one that bears witness on all of those situations, you know, and sees what it does to families and to individuals. And, you know, if, if we could change that, and, and that's why I'm, I'm passionate about, you know, reaching out to uh, behavioral health, community counseling, you know, all the treatment facilities and to getting them involved and getting them to work together um, and participate and provide that information because it's, it's horrifying. You know, whenever you see a, just a, a good life, you know, and it's, and it's not bad people. It's, it's everywhere, you know, then, and people that are using aren't always using because, you know, they're an addict and they just want to chase the high, you know, and that's, that's one of the things that a lot of people think, but there's a lot of people that once this consumes you and takes over, if you don't want to experience withdrawal, because you feel like you're going to die. So a lot of people that are down this road, used to feel well. So they're not going through withdrawal so they can function. I mean, it literally takes over your life and, you know, it's, it's a true challenge for those individuals and the stigma um, with that. And, you know, whenever somebody has that addiction, they want to hide it because they're afraid of what they, other people are going to feel about them because they already feel disconnected and which, which is why they entered into that in the first place. But we need to break down that stigma and we need to understand that, you know, it's okay to make a mistake. It's what you do next that matters, you know, and there's so many people and in our County, I mean, we're very fortunate in Mercer County and I don't people, I don't think people realize how fortunate we are that we have so many people that are focusing on wanting to help people that have this challenge, you know? Hmm. So there, I'll shut up so you can ask another question. <laughs> no, no, that's great. I mean, that's why we brought you on, right? Just to talk and talk. So in this area, in Mercer, in Mercer County, what specific drugs do you most see being, being used around here? Well, I mean, the generic term that everybody still uses is, is heroin. But mm -hmm. I will tell you that this year with the 47 drug deaths that we've had, there was only one death attributed to heroin, right? Mm -hmm. That chemical compound. Um, you do see that things are being combined more. Mm -hmm. um, and it does change the length of the high and the type of the high. Um, and there's, there's all kinds of, of terminology that are used with those. But if we're looking at the true chemical compounds, we're seeing more either cocaine or an amphetamine, right? Or a methamphetamine with an opioid such as fentanyl. Fentanyl is the most common that we're seeing. It's mm. cheap. It's readily available illicitly. And, and you know, um, there's a lot of movement within the, the drug you know, world with fentanyl and, um, you know, but they're, they're putting that with 
other types of chemical compounds to change the effects. Um, and, you know, there's a term called trilogy and, and they're mixing, you know, something that brings you up like cocaine and methamphetamines, but also the opioid or opiate. Right. Mm -hmm. And they're mixing like more of a, of a longer term pain, like gabapentin, um, diphenhydramine, you know, in there to also, uh, modify the type of experience that you have with that in the dangerous you know, is, is really whenever somebody is also using benzodiazepines, which is a whole different type of chemical compound in a mixture with an opioid or an opiate, because it does exemplify the benzodiazepines. But whenever somebody is resuscitated with Narcan, Narcan antagonizes the opiate or opioid, doesn't stop it from being there. It just stops it from being able to work, right? It fills those receptor sites. Um, but whenever the body metabolizes the Narcan or uses it up, right? Um, those chemical compounds are still there. And what we're seeing within those toxicology results are, you know, very potent drugs. And, you know, and, and it's, it's not getting any better, it's getting worse. Hmm. And so I know that, you know, we, we touched on a little bit how um, so far as of November here in Mercer County, there have been 39 overdose deaths. 37. 37. Or no, I'm sorry, 39. 39. We're currently at 47 as of today okay so it's jumped up that much since november then yes okay now, now it does take us um depending on the forensic lab that we use uh it takes anywhere upwards to six weeks to get the forensic toxicology results back gotcha to verify it's remember coroner's deal in fact mm -hmm. right now on death scenes um we actually do a non-quantitative drug analysis a urinalysis mm -hmm. um, which gives us a snapshot and that's a forensic non-quantitative. All that means is that it shows positive or negative that these types of chemical compounds are in their system. And it's a 17 panel. And we do it right there in the house, right there at the place of death. Mm -hmm. That gives us an idea that we know it's going to go that direction, right. but we still have to do forensic toxicology with sampling other body fluids, mm -hmm. right? Um, to, to get the facts of, of what is called a quantitative analysis, which is to the nanogram of how much of every chemical compound is in their body to see what led to their death. Mm -hmm. And that's also used for criminal, cr criminal prosecution. Whenever you look at delivery resulting in death on if those chemical compounds and what was delivered to that person caused their death. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we can say we're at 47 now as of what it's as December of today. Yep. That, as okay. of today, we're at, I just finalized this morning, the 47th case. And I, that's where mm -hmm. I say that I have another 35 cases pending toxicology, forensic okay. toxicology results. Right. And roughly already, I can tell you a third of those, which is about what, 12 mm -hmm. are going to be drug overdoses. So we're wow. looking upwards to almost 60. Right. Yeah. And of course, you know, we touched on that. It was going to be 51 would be the record previously a couple of years ago. So it looks like we will surpass that then. Unfortunately. Yeah. Yes. And that's a record mm -hmm. in all honesty that I wish we didn't have. Right. Yeah. So how do people go about not only obtaining Narcan kits, but isn't there a way to also test drugs before people consume them to know that if it does have fentanyl or compounds that may kill them? Is that correct to say? That I, I'm not sure of that. I, I don't know of any over-the-counter test that you can test the illicit materials that are delivered to you. I'm not aware of that. Um, but I can tell you that Narcan is an over-the-counter, you, you can purchase over-the-counter, 
um, at pharmacies. Uh, and it's very easy to obtain. I, I don't even know the cost. I, I want to say the last time I heard it was about $50 for um, Narcan. And, and I'm not I'm not opposed to Narcan being readily available, but I am opposed to whenever somebody is resuscitated with Narcan, not having them medically cleared because again, the body metabolizes the Narcan, the person could relapse. And if that occurs, most often you don't have more Narcan you know, available at that time. Um, so even, and I don't want to overwhelm the EMS community, the hospital communities, but in a way it, it's sort of the responsibility of us in protective services um, and, you know, to, to service everybody. And if somebody overdoses, they really need to be medically cleared. Just like if somebody has a severe allergic reaction and they're given epinephrine, they still need to be medically cleared because mm -hmm. the body metabolizes the epinephrine, the allergen is still prevalent, and they're going to go back into that severe allergic reaction. So even if somebody's resuscitated, and that's what um, the Immunity Act was, right, is that if you are at an overdose scene and you call for help, that, you know, you can't be charged, you know, um, whenever, you know, because we don't want people to die. You know, but I'm not a huge advocate on it just being readily available for other reasons, um, such as if you have a good Samaritan that's walking through a Walmart um, parking lot, right, and they see somebody in a car and, you know, they, they can notice based on some physical characteristics, they really look like they're overdosing. Maybe there's paraphernalia in the vehicle. Well, if they open the car and they administer Narcan, remember I said those chemical compounds that we're seeing are cocaine and methamphetamines mm -hmm. and an opioid or an opiate? Mm -hmm. Well, Narcan will antagonize the opiate or opioid. So that stops that from working, which means when they come out, they're on methamphetamines or cocaine, right? right. Well, what does that do to somebody? It makes them angry you know, or mm. heightens them. So it puts that person at risk. Also, the the only real, you know, um, adverse reaction you can have with administering Narcan, and usually it's not intranasally, it's when you give it too fast um, intravenously, is profound vomiting, right? So now, you know, if the person starts to vomit, they may end up having a challenging airway, depending on what the circumstances are. So there's some other factors with that, you know, and I just don't want to see somebody that's trying to help get hurt, you know? So um, I, I think that we do have an obligation to, to try to preserve life, like I've always said, and that's mm -hmm. what I've designed my life around for the last 36 years um, with emergency medicine, trauma, clinical care, and now as the coroner's office, you know, is, is trying to, to change and modify those behaviors and bring it to people's attention. But as we bring it to people's attention, I don't want to exemplify the problem, you know, and like when you talk about suicides, I don't want to give that person that's contemplating an idea that's an answer. Or if, if we talk about drugs and what chemical compounds are out there, having those people seek those drugs. I, I believe that in media, right, and, and the Herald, the record artists, all of you guys have been phenomenal to work with um, as far as our stance on we'll release that information on where we are, but we have to turn that story into an understanding, let these people know how profoundly important they are as a person and that they can access help and that we need to break that stigma down because we need to make it a positive. Mm. and to, to get those people into treatment or to get that assistance that they need. Right. And so since you, you mentioned that we're now at 47, you know, that's how many people have died, but how many people, you know, 
or maybe overdosing and then you are able to help, you know, like survive that, you know, do you have any type of number on that? That's the challenge is that we can tell you, we can go to the ambulance services Mm -hmm. in the County, right? There's four and we could ask them how many people they resuscitated and they could pull that data. We can go to the hospitals, which Mm -hmm. are four, right? And we can ask how many people they resuscitated. The ones that we don't know are the ones that are being resuscitated at home that Uh, they're not accessing up. So we have no idea how bad this problem is, right? You know, but if we look at the death data, it gives us just like a a small window snapshot. And if that's increasing, hmm, I think it's safe to bet that the others are increasing as well, Mm -hmm. you know, but, and, and by not having that information on where this is occurring, it makes it even more challenging for the treatment and prevention folks to, to focus their efforts, you know, what zip codes should they focus in? You know, what, what schools should they focus in? You know, we, we really don't know. So we're sort of flandering out there, um, you know, just trying to, to create a best guess on, on where we can positively impact um, improving our outcomes and focusing those efforts where they're going to be most advantageous. Right. And speaking on focusing on the positive, so moving forward, looking into the year 2022, what is the coroner's office doing to try to maybe prevent less overdoses or what are you guys doing to, you know, combat these numbers? Well, we, we continue to work with the Mercer County um, Overdose Work Group, right, which is really facilitated through um, be- behavioral health. Right. And there's there's a plethora. Would you like that word? Plethora? That's a good word. There's a plethora <laughs> of, of skilled people that are there, all from treatment, prevention, you know, the hospitals, all these different organizations that truly have an, you know, a, a goal and um, a drive and motivation to, to work together and to break those barriers down just for the right reasons. Right. So we're going to continue to work with them to give them our views and what we see from boots on the ground. Right. We're also going to, to focus our efforts on that getting connected initiative where we will work with any school to, to go in and talk to those youth, to let them know how important they are and, uh, and to sort of, you know, focus on a, a Mr. Rogers response, you know, and, and anybody that knows me and follows my Facebook knows that I just think Mr. Rogers was amazing. And, um, <laughs> you know, and, and to let them know that, you know, most, most kids nowadays feel as though they have to do something profound and amazing for their life to have purpose and meaning, you know, and because that's what they see in social media, reality TV, and, and all this technology that they, they see, you know, um, and they don't understand that they've already accomplished something so profound, so amazing that nobody in the history of the universe or, or the history of the world will ever, ever do. And, and that's, they are them. And think how special that is, because in the history of the universe, of the world, there will never be another you, you know, you're special and you were meant to be here. And, and our legacy is what we instill in each other and, you know, how the power that youth have on getting involved with other youth. And, you know, if, if you have that outcast in school, right, that keeps to themselves and is, it really appears lonely and disconnected to reach out to that person and including them, you could change the whole course of that person's life, you know, um, you know, bullying, you know, standing up against bullying is, is profound. You know, there's, there's no reason to try to, to bully people. And usually the bullier is the one that feels the most disconnected, you know? 
So even reaching out to those people that are angry to, to try to give their, you know, life and, and including them in things to feel more purpose, you know, maybe that's another avenue. So we're going to continue those efforts. Um, I'll talk to anybody, whether, you know, they're just curious or if they have issues, you know, or, or help guide them. I've accepted a responsibility um, to, to be in a position to serve people in a very tragic, trying, unexpected horrific time in their life from mm. all kinds of different things. Um, and it's an honor to do that. You know, the most common question that people ask is, why do you do this? You know, and, and I'll tell you, it's because of my mother. I blame my mom, you know, because I was instilled with those values on, on serving people. And if you look at the course of my life, I, I didn't want to be corner. I ran for this position because I felt responsible to do that. And I believe that we're doing great things within our office that have never been done before. And we're going to continue that effort and that focus for as long as I can physically and mentally continue to do this job. Mm -hmm. Hey, well, well, thank you for, uh, for coming on the show and everything and talking about all this before we wrap things up here. I'm sure we'll probably touch on this every episode we do in this series, but just so people know just like real quickly, like what are some like phone numbers or people like to reach out to if they do need help themselves? Well, if it's a, if it's a crisis event, mm -hmm. right. Um, and if, if you've ever called a doctor's office, right. If you call your primary care physician, what's one of the first things that they say, if you're calling for a medical emergency, hang up and down 911. If you're calling for a mental health crisis, they give you that number, you know? So if you call your physician, they can put you in contact. If you're not medically compliant, become medically compliant. You know, if you have an issue with addiction or even just an unhealthy lifestyle, become more, you know, medically compliant. Like I joke with my physician to say, I'm going to tell you my lifestyle, how much I don't exercise, how much salt I eat. And your job is to prescribe me, prescribe me medications so I can continue that lifestyle. But he doesn't do that. Right. He says, no, you got to change your lifestyle. But, um, <laughs> but you can also reach out to the Mercer County crisis line and you can do that through 911. Hmm. I mean, if you're at crisis call 911 and tell somebody you need help. If you're not in crisis, but you know you need help, contact the Behavioral Health Commission. And it's it's private. You know, they're not going to announce, you know, who you are and all that. They're, they're going to maintain your confidentiality. And the goal is, and, and I'm at the point where nobody cares, you know, get help. And, you know, help, not just get help for yourself, get involved with efforts to help other people. And, you know, there's some of the best, you know, people that I have met in this County that are focusing on this effort are people that have been in recovery that have had the problem and have broke through. But once they're in recovery, you're always in recovery. You know, you always have that addictive, you know, drive, but they're using their experiences with the warm handoff at hospitals and everything else that is in place through behavioral health, who's doing an amazing job, um, as well as community counseling on, on focusing on these efforts. But, um, you know, contact behavioral health, tell them that you need help. If you even, you know, a police officer, a, a paramedic, an EMT, um, a hospital, you know, walk in and say, I just need help. And they're, they want to help you. That's why they do what they do. And the majority of healthcare, if you haven't noticed, they don't do it for the pay, right? They do it because they're motivated and they're driven to serve people. So let them serve you. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, anything else you need to add here at the end? No, I, I just want to, you know, again, just mm -hmm. reiterate that I appreciate the opportunity 
um, to, to share. And I appreciate you doing this to get the message out, to mm-hmm. try to impact and to, to help people. Right. Well, hey, that's what we hope we can do. So, um, of course, I want to thank you for your work you're doing as well during all of this. And thank you for coming on this week. And um, and yeah, that'll do it this week on the New Generation podcast. This was the first of what we're thinking is going to be three parts in a opioid epidemic series. So be sure to tune in uh, next week, next Saturday for another episode. And of course, keep on checking out the New Generation Sports Report every Thursday. Winter sports season now. So no more football, basketball and wrestling. So having fun with that. So thank you all for listening. Thank you to the Mercer County coroner, John Libanani for coming on this week. Uh, Thank you, Janae, for joining us over Zoom. And thank you guys for listening.